Thank you so much to all of our Patreon supporters who brought this episode to you. And welcome to Val, our newest Patreon supporter. Love that name. Thank you very much. Learn more about Patreon and all the great bonus content available to you. Bonus episodes, monthly emails, commentaries, all available at patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, the Duke, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. I don't even have a response to that one. It's just a great nickname. Sometimes it's just like, you just have to be like, you know, they did a good job keeping it. They did, but also it was baked into his name. So it's not like, like it's a shortened thing from his name. Do you know what I mean? I suppose. I suppose. I thought it was just that he was very, very good at accounting. No, his name is Mar- Mardukas. No, I get it. I'm just saying I thought he was like the Duke of accounting. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. That's not what I gleaned, but. <laughs> I'm sure yours is right. Uh, we are jumping into a movie that I love celebrating its 35th anniversary. It's Midnight Run. And you know what that means. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. Is it not enough comedy comedy? Sometimes you're not enough comedy comedy. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Wow, the the heat you're bringing on the opening I pitch didn't like is it. just is just astounding. What a bummer! I'm like, I literally almost texted you yesterday or the day before when I was watching the movie, and I was like, I was like, I wanted to write you a little note that was like, hey, like go into this liking the movie because <laughs> I think I think what you're gonna do is be like, it's two hours, and I was like, just. I was like, I really wanted to text you and be like, just turn this on and be like, I like this movie. I mean, it is two hours, which didn't help anything. But like, I I think this is like a, like, I truly was like an hour as the movie was winding down. I was like, oh shit, that was two hours. Wow. No, I went, I went, oh, surely we're wrapping things up. No, there's a full hour left. Okay. That is astounding. I love this movie. I think it's hysterical. uh, Really great writing. Uh, uh, love the two of them together. Truly sad to me that these two never did another movie. Like, what a great pair. See, I thought it was, they were kind of meh. Like, to me, it it seemed like they they started to make this movie, and then halfway through, the studio was like, John Candy and Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin comedies are are big. We gotta throw in some hijinks. And then they threw in some hijinks in the last bit. And like, the second half is how it looked to me. Okay. Yeah. I feel like this is all pretty, you know, pretty hijinksy from the start. Like, you know, the part where he tries to steal an airplane. <laughs> that to me, that's not the start. That's like halfway through the movie. Right. Well, you know, you gotta, you know, yeah, build to these things. You tell me where in a, a Dan Aykroyd, John Candy b- vehicle that they slowly build to the hijinks. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, I, that's, that's what I like about this movie is like, it's a grounded character movie. Then, then shit, like by the time bad stuff starts happening to these people, like in cascading fashion, you like know them and like them. See, I, I guess I don't need that. Like I did like, I like John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. So when they're, you know, being dragged across the lake on a speedboat, I just, I already like them. So I don't need. 
groundedness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I guess, but like I think you know more about the characters in this movie by like a factor of twelve to one compared to Great Outdoors, which is I do, I but I don't like. need that for a hijinks comedy. I just I just love the right like this is the kind of movie that I just like enjoy hanging out with like the I just think the writing is so spectacular like the opening here with De Niro he's like he's picking a lock then we get into a shootout um, and then he gets like hit with the car door as he's chasing the guy down on the street I like all this stuff I feel like illustrates him in such a uh, a lovely way uh, he does rip up a door jam kicking a door in which happened to me in high school theater you broke a door yeah it was. Uh, I like my character was supposed to like storm out and slam a door, and so I slammed it so hard that it stuck in there. And when the mm. girl behind me had to like frantically try and open it, she pushed it open, and you just heard <laughs> as the entire like frame on one side just like bucked out, like they did in this movie. Wow. Uh, so this is a, uh, a bounty hunter sort of buddy cop vibe, you know, action comedy thing. Uh, De Niro is a former cop, sort of down on his luck, uh, needs needs fast cash, always needs fast cash. Uh, uh, I also think he's just not real comedian. I... <laughs> I'm so bummed how much we are like truly it's the from the opening of this you're a one and I'm a ten this is like I, gonna I, be a, I think he's good but it, he's doing a lot of like 180 and I'm like I just see a lot of Cape Fear in this performance <laughs> like you're like wait, on the train they're like having like this is, I'm jumping way ahead they're like they scam this bar out of their 20s and they're like enjoying each other's company and they're having fun they like went to a convenience store and bought some beer and then Charles Grodin locks him out of a train, and all of a sudden, t- De Niro turns 180 and turns into fucking Cape Fear. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. Like, this is not fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, have you seen Cape Fear? It seems yes. like you are just saying words. No, like, I genuinely enjoy near Cape Max Fear. Katie in this movie. I genuinely enjoy Cape Fear, but like he turns on. In, like, there's no warmth or comedy in that performance. It's like. Like it's just it, there's a lot, there's too much of that where he does the 180 and he's not warm or funny anymore and I'm like that's not that's to me like doesn't feel like a hijinksy buddy comedy. I mean to me the comedy is from that guy being put in all these situations where he's like over his head like like he's he's not warm or fuzzy at any point he's he's a jerk he's like a mean man and he's like constantly threatening everybody and like he only has one gear and it's threat threats and aggression that's like exactly what charles groden describes him as later i feel i just i didn't i did not find that engaging or funny yeah the to me the like extremely specific threats of like i'm gonna Pull your lungs out through your throat and make you look at. I do like I do like specific so threats. Like he says, I'm going to shoot him and dump his really body funny. in a swamp. That's funny to me. I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, but like that, there's a a way that that is delivered because it's not directed at the person he's threatening. I don't know. There's just something about De Niro's performance in this that it was like mostly this just feels kind of scary and doesn't feel funny. I <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. It's like we watch different movies. Um, I feel like you have not seen enough scary De Niro because I feel like what this is is like playing on the types that he normally plays with. Well, obviously it's not; it's you know, Goodfellas is after this, but like he'd done The Godfather and he d- he does all these movies where he's like the very scary man, and so this is like the very scary man, but he has to jump in a river. I don't know. I, I yeah, we're I 
we'll, we'll get at it as we go, I suppose. Uh, this is directed by Martin Brest, who uh, also directed Beverly Hills Cop, uh, and scored by uh, your fave, Danny Elfman, who really brings the heat here. This is like and fantastic. You texted me that, and I was like, where? I, truly, we were dancing in my kitchen to the score as the the Blu-ray menu played. Like we were getting dinner ready with the score just like looping on the DVD menu, and I was I, truly my wife and I were dancing in the kitchen. Well, like to me, it didn't feel like Danny Elfman. It felt like generic. I know that's what so was cool all the about hijinks, it. It was like, like spoopy songs. It was one song he composed basically that it felt like, and it just felt like every sorry to harp on it, John Candy being dragged across. A lake on a speedboat. Like, it felt like every goofy hijinks montage from every, like, planes, trains, and automobiles, great outdoors, summer rental. Like, it didn't feel uniquely Danny Elfman, which is what I like about him. The main theme of this, I think, is, like, a really fun, like, 80s jazzy number and feels like Oingo Boingo music to me more than his, like, scary goth kid uh, film scores that you're talking about, which is what I liked about it. It just, like, I prefer Oingo Boingo to like the name we were for Christmas Suite. But in general, like I can, I can pick out a Williams score. I can pick out Silvestri. I can pick out Zimmer. I could maybe pick out Giacchino, who's doing a lot of the new Disney stuff. And I can always pick out an Elfman. And like this, if you had put a gun to my head, I'd have been like, I, this is not a famous person. Yeah, I, I mean, I just liked the music. I, I don't disagree with you that it's like a little against his, his type. But also, isn't that like a good? I don't know. I feel like. You know, a lot of times when you listen to, um, like, John Williams is a great example of, like, when you listen to stuff, I feel like he has, like, periods of time where there's a lot of overlap between things. And, like, you hear bits and pieces of something else and something else. But you can still tell it's a John Williams score, even if you're like, oh, this sounds kind of like the music from Star Wars. Like, oh, it is because it's John Williams and he's recycling himself. Right. That's what I'm saying. I, I was saying that, but as a negative. Oh. I was I was trying to say the same thing you're saying, but as a neighbor, where it's like, you know, oh, I hear uh, Star Wars in this in- bit of Indiana Jones, or I hear Jaws in this bit of, you know, whatever, or, or, or I hear a little bit of, like, Hedwig's theme in this Catch Me If You Can score or whatever. Uh, whereas this is like... Is that know, Spielberg? He's... Catch Me If You Can? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like he's doing... I feel like he's doing 80s pop music Danny Elfman as opposed to, you know, goth kid... Danny Elfman score th- Tim Burton, you know, collab stuff, which I I thought was cool. I like I said, I I like Oingo Boingo way more than the Nightmare for Christmas Suite. So I I, I loved I, the main theme to this. I think is like a great piece of eighties um, score. So uh, De Niro's like you know trying to collar this person. He's picking a the lock. They get into the shootout, and then they're on the street. He's chasing them. He gets hit with the car door, and this is where John Ashton makes his appearance. He's like this. Uh, sort of schlubbier, redneckier uh, fellow bounty hunter. He's almost um, like um, who was their friend in Supernatural? The one who knew their dad. Oh sure, Bobby. Um, uh, what the hell's the name? Uh, Jim Beaver is the actor's name. Yeah, he, he's got kind of that energy. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. He uh, in a, in a meaner way. Oh yeah, you know, like gruffer. Sort of like- Grump, yeah, 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 a little little disgruntled guy, uh, and and Ashton is a, one of the major chess pieces on the board in this movie as we move forward. Uh, so we get introduced to him here, um, and we have uh, De Niro ends up stealing his car, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I thought was delightful, uh, and he brings in this person who's skipped bail to the police station, and we get the first of the jokes that made me laugh that you apparently hated with all the fibers. Of I your didn't being. hate them. <laughs> 
<laughs> where the cops like, hey, did he give you any trouble? And De Niro, who was just like, had to chase this man down six flights of stairs, got hit with a car, blah, 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 turns to him. He's like, oh, did you give me any trouble? And then kind of shoves him. Uh, you know, he gets his, uh, I think, 1200 bucks from this collar, uh, courtesy of Joey Pants, making his triumphant return to this podcast. So bail bonds in a minute. Basically, yeah. you get put. This is me asking a question, not me telling. Sure, you get yeah, put okay. in jail. They yep. say you have to. You have to give us five hundred thousand dollars to get out. We'll say probably not that much, but, but yes. So you, if you were a person who has five hundred thousand dollars, you can just give them that money yourself. Yep. Otherwise, you have to go to a bondsman, bail bondsman, bail and bondsman. say, "Hey, get get me out of jail," and they. Give you someone a loan? else goes on your someone else goes on your behalf to the bail bondsman. Well, obviously because you're in jail, but right. I'm just just making sure it's all. But clear. that way, yes, and, and essentially it's a loan. Yes. So they're they're loaning you the five hundred in our example the five hundred thousand dollars to get yes. out of jail that you then have to pay the bail bondsman back. Yes, I think that you pay the bail bail bondsman a you know fraction of what is owed. Uh, you know, in this, you know. So what is the, what, the what do the police give a shit about the bail bondsman? They don't. The bail bondsman pays De Niro when the person has been returned to police custody and he has proof of that because then the bail bondsman isn't out on his money. I guess. So that's... you go to a bail bondsman, you go, you go to a bail bondsman, you get the, you get a loan and they get you out of prison or jail, uh, jail, not prison. And then the contingency is like, I've given you this money in order to get your, you know, when you, cause uh, I don't believe bail is a payment. I believe it's a, a hold when you pay bail money. So if a you hold pay on the, what, like, I, I don't think it's like, it costs $25,000 and the $25,000 goes away. I think it's, we, you have paid $25,000 as insurance that you will not flee the courts. And you were going to come to your court dates and you were going to go to your So trial. that's why the police give a shit because they aren't showing up to court. Right. So if you don't show up to court, the bail bondsman sends a bounty hunter after you to, to capture you and bring you in and they get paid. And his adorable green sidekick. Bail money. You're missing that part. Who's green? The bounty sidekick? hunter with his adorable green sidekick. Oh, uh, yes. I thought you were. I thought you were talking Kermit? about Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, no. I, don't, I, 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 got, I got blonde mullet, and that's where my right, jokes right. And I was like, I was like, well, what did he say? And I was like, I know we watched like an embarrassingly large amount of Dog the Bounty Hunter, but I... I, I will say that was on in the background a lot. Yeah, I will sure. say we yeah. watched a lot, but it was on... Mom, Mom had a phase with Dog the Bounty she Hunter. She did. Look, we've all had our... Like, I watched a lot of uh, Storage Wars. It's not like I'm above reproach here. Yeah. I still love spooky shows, reenactment shows. Yeah. So the idea basically is that's so the, the, the police only give a shit because you aren't showing up to your court date. Correct. And so they and let the like, bail bondsman know, hey, they're not showing up to court date. And so the bail bondsman finds a bounty hunter to bring them back in. Exactly. Roughly. Or in many cases, I would imagine the bail bondsman operates as the bounty hunter themselves. Gotcha. Uh, it, it, I would imagine that's part of it. Like they have, you know, employees that are bounty hunters. So the, Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> the thing with the Duke is that the Duke is a very, very high uh, bail. Yes, it, it it may be five hundred thousand dollars in the. Movie. Well, he said a four fifty. Uh, so I don't okay. I don't know if that means I yeah yeah that's right. I don't uh, know if that means that's how so, much he spent or just like he gave him some no, that's money. How much that's 
No, well, that's I what I mean. Like, out. I don't know if bail was four fifty or like Charles Grodin so needed. Yeah, it was. So no, it, the bail is four fifty. So the idea is like Charles Grodin's people probably went to Joey Pants and gave him say fifty grand in order to get the four fifty for bail. And then presumably, if like you had gone to courts and then been found not guilty, you know, money would come back to you. I don't know how it all works. I've never been through this this process. Yeah. I do know there's a very famous one in Baltimore that gives out a lot of pens. Pretty much everywhere you go in Baltimore, there's a bail bonds pen. <laughs> well, I imagine that if you paid them the $450,000 and then were found not guilty, they would just give you that money back because... Pres- presumably it goes back to the bail bondsman and then I don't know how much of your money you get back because presumably they make money on the service they're providing. Yeah. So, so what happens if you 1%. don't go to... If you do get found guilty, do they just keep your money? They st- no the money the, the money gets returned to the bail bondsman in that case too. Gotcha. I was just saying, you know, I don't I don't know how the payments work. That's all. Well, yeah, obviously. But Joey Pants here is operating in full scumbag mode, and of the people out there who are able and capable of doing this kind of performance, there are many. Joey Pants is among my favorite. He really relishes getting down in the muck and rolling around. It's like something if that you I always enjoy, if you were to make this an animated movie, his character would be played by a chameleon. Like, oh, if you're going like the Rango route. Yeah, like a Rango, Monsters, inky type of thing. He's He's got that like sleazy chameleon. Yeah, he's he's got a really gross energy, which I think he's, he's tremendous at. Like, like he'd um, lick a fly. Sure, sure. Um, you know, he's he's great at playing scumbags. He plays a scumbag in former episode uh, Ready to Rumble. <laughs> Different kind of scumbag. Oh, yeah. Scumbag. Good performance. Uh, I love him in The Matrix. I really like it's like a delightful. He's the like the one who sells them out. Oh, that's what it was. Guy. He was also in. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm thinking of the right person. He was in Bound, but I've never seen I've never seen Bound, but it does feature heavily in the Chucky Child's Play universe because Jennifer Tilly is like meta. Is the like sexy thriller movie Bound? Is that yes. what you're talking about? It's Jennifer okay. Tilly, Gina Gershon, Gina Gershon, and Joey Pants. Okay. Okay. Um, what weird casting. I know, right? But there's a scene in the new Chucky series. It's like my favorite episode of the second season because it's completely its own encaps- like capsule episode where it's set like like a murder mystery. And Jennifer Tilly has a dinner party and invites Gina Gershon and Joey Pants because they're still her friends from making bond- Bound. And they both try and hit on her at separate times. It's very I lovely. If Joey... I can't believe Joey Pants is in the Chucky show. That's yeah, hilarious. they're all having fun. They're they're showing up for their paycheck and swinging for the fences. No, I do, yeah, he he just doesn't get out there that much these days. So it's funny like what he does end up in. Uh, he had a great character on The Sopranos. I'm betting they're he, actually he, friends in real life because that's kind of what happens is that Jennifer Tilly is like, yeah, I have friends. I'll bring them in. She got her sister to be on the show, and she hates the horror stuff. Who's her sister? Academy Award <laughs> winner. Uh, or nominee, nominee or winner, Meg Tilly, who doesn't really do much anymore, but... Who's Meg Tilly? An Academy Award-nominated yeah, actress. but for what? I can't remember, but she's... It's just, oh. That's also a joke in the show. They're like, you have a sister? And she's like, yes, I was nominated first. Wait, I'm sorry, Jennifer Tilly is nominated for an Academy Award? I'm pretty sure. Is that what you're telling me? I think she was nominated for something, in some, like, random drama turn or something. Okay, Meg Tilly was nominated for Agnes of God. I do not recognize this person. Oh, she's in The Big Chill, huh? Maybe I've seen her in The Big Chill. She does look like Jennifer Tilly. She does. I see this. She sounds a little like her, too. I don't think Jennifer Tilly has an Academy Award nomination. That seems insane. 
I thought it was like I thought it was that she got nominated, or maybe the joke was that she was the Academy Award nominated sister, and no one, but no one knows who she is. No, Jennifer Tilly also nominated for an Academy Award. How about that what movie? Uh, Bullets over Broadway. Okay, probably learning things about huh. the Tilly sisters here on this podcast. But so Joey Pants the is like performance wise great scumbag stuff, but the the character design, the costuming, and then the and the, even like the little business he does. He's got all these rings on. He's got too much jewelry. He looks like the kind of guy who just reeks of cologne. Yeah, like you could smell him like drugstore cologne. He's sitting at the other end, like Paco. Yeah, not Paco Rabanne. What's this? Oh, I can't, now I can't remember. Dracar Noir. That's what it is. He reeks of Dracar Noir. And he like at the other end of the diner, you can smell him. Mm-hmm. Is Dracar Noir a a, a a drugstore cologne? I I'm, felt like the bottle looked the bottle that was in our childhood uh, bathroom. Who was expensive. that? Gigs, of course. Okay. I was like, it definitely yeah. wasn't yours, and it certainly wasn't no. mine. I mean, I used it. I mean, I used it for sure. Yeah, but <laughs> I always wondered that. I I think Tricardo Arsenal is very good, but I don't put it on with a with a uh, super soaker. So you know, differences of it just seems like most people who wear Tricardo Noir use the super soaker approach. Um, I was thinking more like a uh, bod. Canyon, Canyon, Bod, yeah, Bod, great one. Or Canyon Stank is the one that they do in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Um, but anyway, so he's got you know he's got all this jewelry and all, you know uh, really loud. If he doesn't have a gold chain. He has the energy of a gold chain. Yes, but then later when he has to pay De Niro, he like pulls his pant leg up. He's got his socks pulled all the way up to his knees, and there's like a wad of cash wrapped around his shin that he pulls out and starts paying him. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, so much. He tells De Niro, uh, he, I, I'm out $450,000 for this guy. And so De Niro's like, all right, so you're going to pay me a hundred thousand. Like, and you I can't, want, I want it in writing. I want a contract. You can't say the first part and not expect the second part, my dude. Right. Right. Well, like I said, he's like, you know, I, I'm not getting fucked over here. You're going to pay me. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not doing this business because you can tell by their, just like the short interaction they have. De Niro comes in the office. He's like, all right. He's like, all right, we'll pay you my money. And, and pa- uh, Joey Pants is like, well, 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 uh, let's go over this place and have dinner. And he's like, no, pay me my fucking money. I, I'm not doing this with you. And you know, it's just like their whole relationship is like, oh yeah, yeah. I'll, g- I'll get you 600 now and I'll get you six. It's like, no. Fucking pay me, motherfucker. Yeah. Pay me what I'm uh, owed. I think De Niro averages out to one fuck per minute in this movie, by the way. That I'm not sure right. if that's accurate. I saw that online. Um, so we 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 leave these two and we, we learn more about the, the tangled web here. Uh, Yafet Kodo, wonderful actor uh, in Alien, mm-hmm. is, is what you might know him for. Um, we haven't done Alien, have we? No. Well, it's only been eligible for like a year, so... It became eligible in the same ruling, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's 79. Well, I was just saying that if it has a sequel in the 80s, we can do it. Was it the same rule at the same time as we are annexing yeah, the yeah, yeah. two yeah. It was. It was, it was. It was 78 to 92, and then in addition, it's a sequel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, prequel, as it were. Um, he's, he's an FBI agent, um, and he is... Uh, I thought we were going to get another Witsec movie. Like, hey, you can't go oh, after. It does, you can't go after it does, Mardukas. It does have that because they talk about Witsec for a second, but this is just the FBI being like, 
who are you going after? What are you doing? Don't get involved in this. This is a this is bigger than you. And De Niro is like, look, I'm just gonna bring him in. I get paid, and then you guys can do whatever you want. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. have to do I, whatever. You change say. anything? Yeah, like if I catch him, and then you get you get him after. Also, you're I the FBI. How did you not put together the very like e- like logical conclusion that De Niro put together? He just called the last per the first person he called when he got to jail. Like that's not. Oh, that's yeah. not like. Hard boiled detective work. That's well, it's not, but De Niro is able to work that connection because he has a friend on the force, so he just goes and gets that information. And what do the FBI fucking have? Like, they don't have friends on the, they can't look at files. The FBI has to do it through the system. They have to requisition a file. They have to have that requisition approved by their manager and then by the the police at the, the precinct. And instead, De Niro greases a palm with a 20. And the guy who's not supposed to show him a file shows him a file, and then he gets the information quickly. It's like uh It just seems like strange the- to me that the FBI isn't like, Hi, here's my badge. We need the the arrest record for the guy who who disappeared. There's a chain of command, baby. There's a system. Oh, you gotta play by the rules. The federal government and, and police force really enjoy following rules look, and regulations. Look, I'm not suggesting that police are saintly people but i'm saying that like there are rules of how this stuff is going because like chain of command and chain of custody on evidence is a really big thing so like if somebody fucks up and a piece of evidence gets out of order all of a sudden the case goes away like they gotta go by the book they're the fbi i thought you were an old leather chair so uh de niro also, in the course of this exchange, steals Yafet Koto's badge. And this moment on the street where he, like, takes a look at it, and then he takes two Some steps play and acting. whips around. Yeah, he, like, whips around and flashes the badge. I laughed my ass off. I'm sorry. I did. I'm I, I thought that was cute. Acting. I chuckled. Um, then he does some, so, like, crafting on the plane with, like, Mod Podge uh, and a glue stick. <laughs> <laughs> that little kid next to him is like intently watching this and De Niro holds it up for approval and the kid's like, it's pretty good. I was waiting for really? De Niro to hand back the craft supplies to the little kid. <laughs> that would have been very funny because they look like little kid scissors. Like he should have like opened one of those, what are they, space savers? You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah, plastic? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, they look like caboodles, but smaller. Pencil box. The pencil, pencil box. box. That's the word. You just open yeah, the pencil yeah. box and slid all the, the glue and scissors back in there. Yeah. And uh, we get to New York, and now here, baby, is what I've been looking for. We got us some Goombas. Yes, this is the, we got some Goomba. We got Goombas for days in this movie. We got every flavor of Goomba. This very nice Goomba. I was so delighted. This is what I, this is this now having seen the Goombas. Do you see what I was talking about? I saw what you were talking about last time. I know, but you keep bringing up Joe Pesci. I don't want Joe Pesci. I want a Goomba. I want one of these dudes, these Jamokes. I was saying Joe Pesci should have been Steve Martin. No, I know. I'm just saying I want the, this is the Goombas I wanted. Uh, so he does this quick little phone How does scam, this work? which is like what is this magic or is this a real thing that happened? Well, the the phone tap thing. Well, how did it phone tap from like? Not normally phone taps I thought were like in the phone, like they were a thing yeah, in the phone. Yeah. This is like he goes like a beep bloop blorp on like a CB radio looking thing and then walks half a block away to a payphone and makes a call. And the his bleep blorp somehow records his phone call and then whatever phone call she made next. How? Yeah. I mean, it's all hand wavy magic, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, that's what that was my question. Is it the only thing is that I can think of, and they don't really show this to you. 
perfectly, but I think is what it's supposed to be. I think he's outside the house. Yes, but I the, normally so, I, I was confused how taps a tap that wasn't connected to any kind of phone was tapping. This is this is my explanation, and this is just me making it up. But lay it on me, Jay Edgar. It's good. I think the person he's calling has a uh, uh, a wireless phone, like a like an inside your house, like a phone. got the cord on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a not, cordless phone. antenna, That's antenna, a cordless phone. Yeah, 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 cordless phone, and, and with an antenna. So he's able to use his little doohickey to like intercept that broadcast and listen in on it, so that when he calls, okay, this verifies it's the right house. Hand wavy magic feels. Is, yeah, accurate. it's it's like gra- like I. It's science I am magic. Certain. I'm certain the device I'm describing existed to intercept cordless phone calls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was it in this movie? Was it in 1988? I don't have any fucking idea, but I'm pretty sure what I'm describing is like good enough. Uh, it's science magic. It's, it's yeah. it kind of real, but the, we don't know the specifics. Right, right. Uh, but so he does this quick phone scam where it's like, oh, hey, can you come downtown? And then she immediately calls somebody else. And then that person reveals that the Duke is there. And it's like, bing, bang, boom. I got the Duke. So, he breaks in, and there's a dog. Of course, he's, he's on Charles his way Grodin's to grab the Duke. Yeah, got to be a dog. And he hides. That's right. It's a it's a uh, more bitey looking dog than Beethoven, but it is a yeah. dog. And he uh, sees the dog. He hears Grodin in the other room, so he quickly darts into a bathroom. The dog's like you know banging on the door. Grodin opens the door, and there's De Niro hiding in the shower, like uh, behind a. It's like crawl. a clear glass, do- like slidey door. It's not a curtain, but it's like the same exact bit that they do in Crawl, if you remember. Oh yeah, that's where she. she I like, think she says "Smile, you son of a bitch," but I can't remember. I don't think she says that, but <laughs> but she does say something, <laughs> you know, snippy, and then something you the son of a bitch in the shower. Maybe come. Yeah, I just come get me. Maybe I just feel like they didn't just lift the line from Jaws without it being like a wink, wink. It's Jaws. Like I mean, the char- if you do that, the character has to say that it's Jaws. Do you you know what I mean? I mean, they didn't do that for the Meg. Every time that they made a reference to Jaws, every four fucking minutes. Right, but it's one thing to be like, "Oh, the dog's name is Pippin," and it's another thing to be like, "My character is going to say the most famous line from that movie without a trace of irony." Is that- that's what I'm saying? Wh- Here's a quick detour. Would you say that's the most famous line in Jaws? No, it's probably the third most famous line in Jaws. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, I, because I definitely would not call, I mean, to me it is, but I don't know. It's the, like, I, you need, need the, bigger the incorrectly, boat. yeah, bigger boat with whatever incorrect appendage someone has tacked onto it, which I don't say with snark. It's just that, like, no one quotes that. I think line. your is the correct one. I think yeah. you're going to need a bigger boat is the correct line. Yeah, he. It's always written as weird, but I always thought it was your. But whatever. It's yeah. I just don't think you would do that line for line. But whatever. She does the same kind of trick. He's. I just love the door ripping open. The rah, 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 and De Niro with a FBI badge in one hand, a pistol in the other, behind the glass shower door. And then when Groden starts to make a move, he's like, "I'll shoot you through the glass." <laughs> um. He then calls the the bail bonds guy and like. I really want like their energy feels coupley, like it feels yes. like Lenny and Squiggy, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, I wish. In another yeah. in another lifetime, they could be the slimy gay couple. It would be sadder though because the the betrayal part. I know. Well, once that happened, I I I lost interest in this. But that it. Yeah. That would be fun. So so Joey Pants's assistant uh, tips off the mob. I call him a secretary. He seems like a secretary. He's the one answering the okay. phone. He's the one greeting the. 
<laughs> greeting the people when they walk in the door. I didn't think assistant and secretary were all that uninterchangeable of terms. But. I think those are very different. An assistant and a secretary, I would not say are the same thing. I don't, at least okay. as, far in, as far as I would get, venture, I guess. Because like they don't use the word secretary anymore. They use the word assistant. They say administrative assistant. professional or administrative, administrative assistant, assistant, executive assistant. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah whatever. Um, oh, we did not mention. So, you know, when, when the Goombas that I was gushing about before come to De Niro while he's in at the car rental That's counter right. and they're like, they're like, hey, we know you're here for the Duke. I don't know how much you're getting for him. And he's like, well, I don't think it's any of your fucking business, but I'm getting $100,000 for the Duke. And he's like, well, we'll give you. I don't even think he tells them how much. He just says, oh, yeah, how much more is he going to give me? And they say six, six zeros or whatever. Wait. Yeah, a million bucks. Yes. That, that was like, is, that, is it six figures or six zeros? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so six zeros, the mob not was... including the cents. I got burned before. <laughs> If someone said six zeros to be $10,000, it would be truly hysterical. Yeah. Uh, so the we know the mob is after the Duke. I mean, that was uh, we knew that <laughs> before that scene, but that scene kind of sets up basically the three uh, or the four sort of intersecting lines here. We've got uh, the Duke with Robert De Niro. We've got Yafit Kodo and the FBI folks. We got the Goombas. And then we have uh, John Ashton who pops up here and there as we go along the adventure. Um, and Joey Pants's secretary tips off the Goombas to say, right. Hey, he yeah. found him. And I love, so the thing that like the Goombas are like kind of bumbling, like not incompetent, but kind of bumbling, like, yeah, in a way that I find very satisfying. Like they're not complete idiots; they're just kind of dumb. Like they have uh, reached the pinnacle of the of what they will reach in the mafia. Is my my view of they've it. got they're like kind of high school high school bully and his sidekick energy. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you could you could see the um, uh, shades of the the two dudes, from, Jay and Ice from Hocus Pocus. That's what I was trying to get to. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Did you know he was in Stranger on... Things? Jay was in Stranger Things? I fully didn't realize is, this. Is Jay the tall, skinny Jay one? Jay is tall and skinny. Jay is the letter I. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that why he's ice? No, he's not. Ice is the letter oh, O. Oh, is the other end ice? Okay. Ernie is ice. Uh, no, I did not know he was in Stranger Things. Uh, I probably could not pick that actor. I couldn't pick a picture of that actor in Hocus Pocus out of a lineup. I'm not sure. Honestly, you, he looks kind of the same. Because I was watching a show recently, uh, Mayfair Witches, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? He looks so familiar. And I looked him up because... Is that the one with Alexandria Daddario? Yes. I accidentally okay. skipped the first episode, so I got very confused and had to go back. <laughs> Uh, I was watch- that was like me when I tried to watch season three of The Mandalorian, and I was like, wait, I don't understand anything that's going on. It turns out, oh, two secret Mandalorian episodes in the Book of Boba Fett. Oh. Not allowed, Disney! Well, that's not, not that was the opposite. No, no, because I genuinely just accidentally skipped the first episode, because I thought I was skipping an ad, but I skipped the episode. And ah. so I was like, I'm way more confused like i know that you should have a little bit of mystery and you shouldn't give everything out in the first episode but like i'm a little more confused than i should be and i fancy myself a smart content consumer and then i was like oh it's because i'm (laughs) i'm watching episode two oops they made alexandra daddario's eyes insanely like shiny in the posters for that yeah that was the point i saw a lot of posters of it it's it's because they did the same thing to annabeth gish who plays her mother and like that's their mm. witchy connection. 
Gotcha. Well, in the poster, you don't understand that. You're just like, why are her eyes so icy? It's called the Mayfair Witches. You just assume she's a witch. I, but it's not like they gave her red eyes. They just took her already regular blue eyes and made them very blue. Yeah. Uh, so we're on this airplane in the first class, which is like just truly unhinged how big this is. Even compared to modern first class stuff, it's pretty buck wild. I've always wanted to fly on a, on a, on a stair plane. Yeah, I've never done it either. I've always, it, seem, it seems fun. The kind, or like, it's a big plane. They had the planes where like there's like kind of like a bar club situation and there's a shower there's showers. Yeah. I'll never afford yeah. it, but it'd be fun. Yeah. I've never flown on a plane with a shower. I've taken a shower in an airport, which I recently discovered was a thing you could do in some of those lounges. Oh, in the lounge. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, where in yeah. the Philadelphia I'm and obviously it wouldn't no, have been no. yours, but like I was like, where no, in the no. Philadelphia because it's a pretty major airport. Where would they no, <laughs> where do you shower we, there? There probably is some in the in the lounges there. We when we flew to Sydney uh, very long flight, very big plane, no stairs, but enormous. It was three, four, three across. Wow. So very, very big plane. Um, so we landed in Sydney and we, it was like 8 a.m. local time. So we just like took a shower at this lounge. Smart. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we can start our day. It's like, we're, we're ready to go. It's like, we just woke up. Big boost if you're able to do so when you land. Act like you just got there. Yeah. Like act like that's your time now. That's my that's my that's my secret for travel. I just whatever time it is, that's what time it is. I don't do the like, well back home it's no. We don't talk about that. We talk about where it is right now because that's where <laughs> you we don't are. look back. Right. Yeah. Um like, yeah. We're on the Oregon Trail now. We don't look back. Yeah, no, that's why th- it's like whatever time it is right now is what time it is. Doesn't matter what time my body thinks it is, because this is what time my body thinks it is, because this is what time it is. It's seven AM, baby. This is what time it is. Stop it. That's me. Ice road truckers. Yeah, exactly. So we're on this first class flight. Groden's like, you know, I got to tell you, I really, I can't fly. I, I, I have a terrible fear of this. Uh, and he starts having like a conniption. They throw them off the plane. It's a which is... surprisingly understated airplane freakout. <laughs> well, it's a little different in the era before we saw these like once a week with the cell phones. But no, you I know? just mean like you would think for a high jinxy comedy. That there would be yeah. more to do. See, that's the thing. See, I think that's. I don't think this is a hijinksy comedy. I think this is a road action movie with co- like a co- comedy road action movie. It's not like I don't think this goes in the same shelf as Great Outdoors. As but planes, to me, there's in the in the back half. There's a lot of hijinks, which is strange to me for a non hijinks movie. But it's like gunplay hijinks. It's not like whoa. Oh, you know they what I mean? steal a biplane. <laughs> you like you don't think second. stealing a biplane is hijinks? I mean, they try to steal a biplane. It's it, it like barely comes off the ground. It comes off the ground by like one foot. It is firmly in the air, and then he brings it. Back I don't. Down. I I don't think stealing a biplane goes in the same slot as setting the rental car on fire and driving with it as a burned out husk. Or selling shower, but like you can't, you couldn't picture John Candy girls. in the front seat of the biplane as Dan Aykroyd I, holds out of the think, back. I think if you put this in the John Candy movie, it's like the most grounded hijinks. Like, the, come on, look, compare the biplane scene to the 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 water skiing thing you keep bringing up. From to me, stealing like, a biplane is that same okay. level. Okay, 
But I'm talking about like the action. D- divorce the like literal word description of what is happening, and and look at how they depict the scene here versus the scene in Great Outdoors. They're like very, very. But different they both have that, of- that same goofy ass music. I mean, I guess you're quibbling with Danny Elfman then. But I just feel like this is like, so, but like the, a but the music, silly. the music they put in the scene is to directly tell you what to feel about it. And if the same music is in both scenes, then they want you to feel the same way about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember the music in Midnight Run all that clearly. I suppose I just feel like the one in The Great Outdoors is like, and that's like not what's happening in Midnight Run. Right, I it's think not I that think big. I think if you went back and watched that scene, you would hear very very similar music. Okay, I just feel like that that like those those two actions like that, and when they end up in the river, are like the biggest hijinksy things. But like the river thing is played to me dangerous, not like oh this is wacky. Like if John Candy was in the river, it would be like and and there's none of that here like there's no there's no woes right like i'm not crazy that doesn't happen in this movie a little it's just more grounded to me and i'm not saying i don't like those other movies i just think it's like this is like this to me is closer to hot fuzz in terms of like i didn't realize it was olivia coleman in hot fuzz i just realized that like (laughs) two days ago Yeah, she's great. I was like Academy Award winner Olivia uh, Goldman. That's I was so excited when she won because I was like, oh, the really funny lady from Hot Fuzz. Good for her. I like fully missed that 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 uh that yarn connection there. Uh, so we get kicked off the plane. It's kind of a, it's not a big you know to do. It's just like, hey, the pilot comes down. He's like, you can't transport a prisoner who doesn't want to fly. You know this. You're an FBI agent. So get off the plane. So they get off the plane. He's also got the go old style like little kid stethoscope headphones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Old uh, the eighties uh, like play, play doctor freebies. stethoscope headphones. Uh huh. Did you uh-huh. keep those or were they just like on? The I plane? assumed. I assumed no, and they were so like ridiculous that no one would. Yeah. Oh, plus, you know what? Plus, they're not back then. They had the double prong instead of the single prong. I think they weren't actually electric or like pluggy. Oh, they're just air tubes. I think they. I think it was an air tube. As I'm remembering, why like why would no one steal that? Oh, because it's useless outside of the airplane. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I could be talking about it. Certainly looks. I I mean I have used air tube headphones and this does look more like those than what I'm familiar with. Well, I think that's what little that's all a little kid stethoscope. Well, all a stethoscope is is an air tube, but little kid stethoscopes are air tubes. Oh, you're correct. They do look look just like that. But I was also thinking like sometimes the museum tours are air tube headphones, presumably for the same reason. Like they don't break. Oh, like you you carry the little box and then there's an air tube or do you plug the air tube into the. You basically plug an air tube in like you plug a headphone in. It's actually the same thing. um, The earpieces that uh, like the secret service and such wears. Oh, really? Those are air tubes. They have like a, it, it presumably it doesn't it's less like you can't have just like oh the headphones shorted out in the middle of an action you fair. know what i mean it like Very fair. takes out a yeah so they have like one piece is the microphone which is operates differently of course and then the other one is an air tube uh headphone or earpiece rather so i uh, yeah i assume it's i assume it's yeah Air tube headphones. It, they certainly look like it uh but we get on the amtrak we book ourselves an amtrak roomette which is, uh, you know, a tiny little poop coffin you can ride. <laughs> poop coffin. 
Yeah, I so I watch like a fair amount of YouTube, which is like people traveling. And, you know, I, I like to see different ways people travel. I enjoy travel in all forms, you know, cheap travel, you know, all sorts of stuff. And the there was like a person who was traveling cross country in Amtrak, which to me sounds awful. Like it takes way too long to get there and you don't really get to do anything. Yeah, it just sounds day, like, so. every, like fucking carousel of progress. <laughs> like we can go from. New York to California in 15 days. Like, that to me is just what train travel is. Right. Like, well, the other thing to me is, like, it'd be one thing, and maybe you can do this, and I don't know enough about it, but I don't think this is how it works. And my limited experience, it hasn't been. It's not like, okay, I'm picking up the train here in D.C. It goes more or less, you know, up to Chicago and then down to, you know, cuts across to California. But along the way, if I see somewhere cool and I want to get off the train and spend a day there and just get on the next train, I could do that. Like, you can't really do – it's like, to me, it's it's way worse than – it's way slower than flying and none of the fun of a road trip. (laughs) So I don't – it does not appeal to me personally. But many people love trains. It's a little faster than a road trip, I guess. It isn't. It almost always is not. (laughs) Oh, well – Unless there's like a short corridor, like you, the train from DC to New York is faster than driving because the train can go faster, like especially if you take a Sela or something. Mm. But if you take like a train from uh, DC to Florida, like Disney or whatever, it's very rarely much faster than driving. Okay. Like maybe within an hour. It's probably pretty coin flippy. But anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, these, the, the roomette is like a little thing you can book. And it has a lower bunk and an upper bunk. And then some of them have a bathroom, which is just like you like flip up this uh, table and underneath is a toilet. And I'm just like, ew, you're (laughs) that's that's not cool. Like, it's just a poop coffin. You're just in a porta potty. It's It's like you'd have to have an agreement with your traveling partner of like, this is for number ones. And then number twos go outside the room. Yeah. Yeah. Like tour bus rules. You, nobody number twos on a tour bus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, De Niro is like weirdly. This, ad- this roomette has a bathroom that he like physically has a bathroom. But yes. the other ones I've seen, it was not like that. That's uh, just being clear. Sorry. Go ahead. De Niro has. He's like weirdly aggressive about Grodin. He's like, I won't take any. I would never take fucking money from you because you're a criminal. And I was like. He stole from a mobster and gave it to charity. Like, he is the so least criminal criminal. So he, so he says. Isn't it like... At the end of the movie, he has an awful lot of money that was just well, he says around he, to grab quickly. Well, he stole $15 million and said, I kept enough to get away and donated all the rest of it. He gave like yeah. $30,000. $30,000 out of $15 million. He gives He gives Nero $300,000. Oh, is it 100000 Yes. Either so way, I assume I assume Groden kept at least half a mil. Yeah, and then gave away three hundred to. Yeah, I'm just saying he did steal. It's not like he didn't get anything out of it. He did steal. But again, money. like it's like we say about stealing from banks and all that. Like he stole yeah. from a mafia boss that, like mm-hmm. we later learn, is a major heroin dealer. Like he is yeah. scum. I, and the he, whole time, De Niro keeps being like, "I don't know why you didn't just leave him alone." Like that's not a good op like he's still a criminal like the mob boss is still the criminal i mean at the point where de niro is like chewing out groden he has been attacked by the dog 
he put him on the plane and then Groden acted like an imbecile. And now they're on this train. And then Groden was specifically trying to buy him off. He was like, how much can I pay you to make this problem go away? And De Niro's response is like, fuck you. I don't do that shit. That's why I do this. You know, I think it's like, that's why I was talking about. Like, I, I like how much shading these characters get because as this goes along and we learn more about De Niro is like he, the reason why he's doing bounty hunting and why his life kind of fell apart is because he wouldn't take a bribe, but he was on a squad of people that all took bribes. And so he became the guy that was like too clean and not allowed, you know, not allowed to function anymore. Yeah. He was the, the he was the good apple in a barrel of rotten ones. <laughs> yes. It's just like so funny that he's cute. He's like, yeah, man who stole from the heroin dealer that ruined my life. You're a criminal. Like, wouldn't you kind of be on do his they, side? Do they, does he know that? Yes, he's a Serrano. At this point? Okay, okay. The mob guy said, hey, Ser- Serrano, you know, the ham wants to pay you a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. The spicy ham. Uh, no, Serrano ham's not spicy. Capicola no, is spicy. No, cured. Uh, Serrano is like uh, prosciutto. Yeah. But I, I also think like... And what I like about this movie is like Groden is being kind of a crank to fuck with De Niro and De Niro getting so agitated and like losing his mind all the time is what really works for me. Where he's like, Groden knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to get De Niro mad and De Niro's response of these like incredibly specific threats of like, I'm going to untie your shoes and pull them around your ears and tie it tight. The ears will fall off. I just made that one up, but it's like those kind of very specific threats that I just cracks me the hell up every time. I just think it's funny. Like you would think that he would be less angry about this guy. I actually wrote this one. I wrote this one down. He tries to pay him off and he says, I'm going to bust your head, put you in the bathroom, put your head in the toilet and make it stay there. Yes. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, I also noticed, so at this point, this is when Joey Pants tags in John Ashton, who plays the character Marvin, the other bounty hunter. Um, John Ashton is wearing a horseshoe ring, but upside down. Like, you're supposed to keep the horseshoe up like the letter U for good luck. And I so guess it's a matter of your perspective. Hand, well, on your hand, you'd want the open end of the horseshoe towards your fingernails, I feel like. And he's wearing it towards his elbow, which if I feel like is wrong. If you're doing, if you're doing punching, then, then it's upright. I suppose. I guess it depends. For a man in the bounty hunting business, the punching up seems the... (laughs) And I guess it's also like, if it's pointed towards your elbow when your arm is at your side, it's up. I guess this is a difficult thing to parse, but it just seems upside down. It's like with the clotter ring, it's specific. It's like if if the crown is facing your finger, like they say, face the fingers, it's not like willy-nilly. They explain it. Right. Well, when you hang a horseshoe, it has to be up. Up, yeah. And I guess who figures out what, what up is on your hand? Um, I like this little bit here. Like we're always talking about the old technology and we'll, we'll get to credit cards a little later in this movie. Cause it's different than normal for the uh, podcast movies. But, uh, Marvin has Jack's credit card number, De Niro's credit card number. And so he's able to like call, ask for help. And then he's like, when's this card last used? I'm trying to figure out what happened to it. And then at the end he's like, you know what? We better cancel that. Which like is wild that you could just do that. Right. I mean, you I can know, do it from my phone, but it's an app that's on my phone that I've logged into. It's right. not like... Yeah. My wife hates talking to customer service people, so I often call as her and just like... Do you do a voice? Her name. No, I don't. 
I it's too much of a bit, and it would like I would laugh or fuck it up at some point. It's just easier to just be like, no, this is my name. It's just like very obviously a woman's name, and no one bats an eye. Uh, and then they're like, what's your social security? As long as you can like give the answers, it's fine. But they're always like, what's your social security number? What's your mother's maiden name? And it's like I have to rattle off all this identifying info. Like normally, I'm like. <laughs> She's right next to me, so I have to be like, what's the answer? She can whisper it to me. But I was just thinking about like all of the questions you have to answer now. And then this time they were just like, well, gee, sir, must be your credit card's out of order. Let me just go ahead and get rid of that. You said your name was Jack Smith? All right. Definitely aren't 40 of those in the system. Yeah, like it's it's banana pants to me. Uh, so he... he um... Oh, Grodin also tip shames De Niro. Like he's, he's he like, does, I stole from yes. the mafia, gave it to charity. Yeah. Also, you should <laughs> tip true. people more because tip servers depend on waitstaff depends on tips. Like, yeah. I was like, I like yeah. this guy. I'd let him stay hidden. Couldn't find him. <laughs> Oops. De Niro gets there eventually. I know, but like, it's just wild to me that De Niro's like, that, oh yeah, you stole from the man, the heroin dealer that ruined my life. Well, like you so, would think that you would click first click like I'm good. I, I, I get what you're saying 100%, but also remember, like, for context purposes, this is a guy who willingly agreed to be a accountant for a mafia guy. Like, he's, like, that guy is probably a little crooked, you know what I mean? No, Charles Croton specifically says, I, di- I thought I was at a, a legitimate firm. He specifically, like, explains that he did not know what he was doing, and when he learned what he was doing, that's why he did what he did. Does De Niro know that now, or do they have that conversation after that? No, they have that, I'm pretty sure they have that conversation at dinner, right before he starts saying you should okay. tip better because <laughs> i i thought the conversation we were talking about takes place before dinner when they're in the bathroom or they're in the roomette it's both it happens okay simultaneously um so they uh have to get off the train and uh we i are... really like the continuing bit of fake mosley real mosley yes like it that's very cute to <laughs> me so de niro keeps saying that he is fbi agent alonzo Alonzo uh, Mosley, who is Yafet Koda's character, and then he leaves somewhere having used this identification, and then the real Yafet Koto, uh, Alonzo Mosley, shows up, and people are like, oh, just are all you guys named Mosley? And he just keeps getting more and more angry. Uh, so we're trying to buy bus tickets now. and For some reason, this scene was on my Instagram reels, like, in the last week or so. Just this one with the credit card? Well, that's all. Instagram reels are quick snips, like... You know. No, I know, but I just like it wasn't like a like a like a montage of like scenes. It was no, just it was this one. That's what that's what they are. Their instrumentals are always like one quick scene from a movie or a TV show. Normally, it's like part nine to make you try and find the yeah. other ones. But I was like, I just remember seeing this scene, like oh whatever, skipping past it, not thinking about it, and, and then it cropped up here, and I was like, oh that's weird, because it's all cyclical. Like I've said before, The Sopranos had their heyday where like. I learned a weird amount about The Sopranos just from watching bits. Like, I said something to mom, like, yeah, Tony's sister that killed her husband. He was like, she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, he he called the son gay, and so she brought a gun back, and she shot him at the kitchen table while he was eating. And she was like, I have no memory of this. And I was like, I assumed it was important. It was on reels. Spoiler alert for The Sopranos, I guess. Yeah, you have to remember, The Sopranos had seven seasons, and most of the people died. <laughs> Did Edie Falco die? No. So well, I assume, we don't know, but oh, no. It cut to black, I guess, but... Yeah. I mean, it could have been all three of them shot at the table there. So he, this is uh, the first digital credit card machine I, I can canonically place in a movie. Oh, okay. Because she's like, it's like, beep, 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 your card's been rejected, as opposed to the old shh, shh, 
machine. Um, so De Niro can't buy these bus tickets, and then he tries to boot. Do they do that. love to uh, shout when it's declined. Now I haven't had it happen to me, but I've I've been in a restaurant where it's always like, "Your car was declined, decline. It was a declined card over here." Really, the only time this ever happened to me, the person was like, "Hey, I'm so very sorry, but um, do you happen to have another card I could try?" Maybe I'm, like I said, it has not happened to me, but I feel like I've been places where that has happened, and it's always like, "Wow, they're making a stink." And it was. It was really alarming because I ended up calling the credit card company and they're like, yeah, we put a freeze on your account because we saw a bunch of charges that we uh, thought were not you. And I was like, oh, and then it turned out my card had gotten skimmed. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought or they were really- probably, probably not skimmed. Probably someone got stole the numbers off some website and then made like a dummy card with it. Yeah. They were like, they bought WrestleMania action figures, a subscription <laughs> to Letterboxd. <laughs> A bunch of pop unpopped popcorn for a popcorn machine. This isn't you, right? This, surely this is not you, right, sir? A $6,000 popcorn machine. <laughs> uh, De Niro, in the course of trying to negotiate to get these bus tickets, fucks up the FBI agent's name, and the woman working the counter is like, that badge says Alonzo Mosley, not Jack Mosley. And he's like... Well, no, the problem Shh. is that his credit card is his name. Yeah. No, no, no. He says Jack Mosley. He fucks it up. I thought he said Jack Alonzo Mosley. Yeah, that's that's and she's like, well, that badge says that. And so there's she's like, you need to pay in cash. And then he's uh, rifling through Groden's pockets as he's handcuffed. And Groden and the woman are having this like all eyebrows and eye movement conversation with each other. It's so funny. Uh, Groden's also trying to push De Niro to go see his family in Chicago. Yes. And then the bus comes to it's in Chicago and there's a goddamn sniper. I was like, Jesus. Four. Like, four. There's four snipers. No, there's just the one. No, there's four. They all start shooting from different vantage points and several of them get killed by the police. I fully miss it. There were multiple snipers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, we learned that De Niro has been estranged from his wife and daughter for nine years, seven nine years. years, like an incredibly long time. Yeah. Uh, so they, they get to... Um, the, so the, the uh, feds show the... up, and we think the sniper's yes. not going to shoot, and then he does shoot, so they steal an FBI car and get away. Yes. Uh, also, I really like the the bus scene is, like, the two of them starting to thaw, because, like, ultimately, you know, going into this movie, it's going to be, like, they're very opposites, but somehow they kind of push each other to Plain get a little better. Yeah, sure. Or, you know, the odd couple. Name, you know, name any number of things throughout history. Uh, I just mean that this specifically is very Plain Streets automobiles with all the different levels of travel. Right, right, right. But it's like the, I just like the, you know, Groden's super uptight and uh, De Niro is a rage monster and, you know, they slowly thaw each other a little bit. I have to be honest. I think this pairing is fantastic. I thought the entire scene with the ex-wife and the daughter could have been cut. I knew you were going to say that. I literally, while the scene was happening, I was like, I think this is great. And Andrew's going to be like, this is stupid and take it out of the movie. I think this adds so much to the character. I I I think it adds very minimal shading. That we couldn't, that we could have gotten from like a dialogue between Charles Grodin and De Niro. It 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 takes so Maybe. so long to get to the house. Like we have to show them get into the house. The whole thing, right, right, right. The daughter. Yeah. There's not like a yeah. satisfying resolution to the daughter do- to the to this. Like the wife gives the keys and the money, and then the daughter's like, "Here's a hundred eight dollars in babysitting money." And I was like, "Well, that, I don't I don't like that the resolution to that." Like husband and ex, ex exes, I understand that can be fine. Right. Here's some money yeah. in my car keys. One last yeah. hurrah. 
But like the fact that he takes his daughter's money is like weird to me and not a satisfying yes. like end cap to this scene. So one, I think obviously he pays them back. He ends up with three hundred thousand well, dollars. I would yes, I would, I, I would hope so. But the thing I think you get out of this is that De Niro, he's got the watch that's not working right the whole movie, and it's like very clearly he's holding on to his former life in a way that's not working for him. And it takes this adventure and the direct conversation with Charles Grodin, who's like, hey, man, you should probably stop holding on to your past because it's not coming back. And like at the end of the movie, De Niro, there's the big symbolic gesture of like he gives him the watch and is like, here's something to remember our adventure by. And it's yeah. like that, that all of that to me lands harder and better because there's this little scene here. And I also like the first of all, like it gives Nero an opportunity to show off, not that he needs it, guy's a great actor, but like he and the wife are at an 11 yelling at each other and having this big fight. And then the daughter walks in and instantly he drops everything. And it's just like, um, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And it's Mm -hmm. like the, the stuff, I really like that stuff out of him and and getting to see this like sort of human sad moment. um, I just feel like I got more emotionally, I got more out of the reveal in planes, trains, and automobiles that um, John Candy's wife was dead. Yeah. Than I did from this relationship. That's fine. And I mean, so, I like, my saying. brain is like, so you can you can have a very satisfying arc without having to show the family. I get what you're saying. I I I think they both. I mean, I think I think they both work, so it doesn't bother me. But I get what you're saying. Um. The other thing that we didn't mention was uh, as they stole the FBI car and got away, uh, De Niro abandoned it after a little bit and put his sunglasses on the dashboard as sort of a calling card because Yafet Koto and De Niro have been going back and forth about sunglasses the whole movie. Like, They're oh, all good sunglasses. All shop at the same store? They are very good sunglasses. Bo- but I mean, like both Yafet and De Niro's sunglasses are very good sunglasses. Oh, agreed. Agreed. There's also a really good bit with the Goombas who call the boss to check in and are like, Oh, there were all these, uh, we had the snipers, but there were all these FBI guys and you know, there's, you know, nothing we could do. They got away. And while he's like having this very serious conversation with their insane boss, the other Goomba is like shadow boxing. I, him and that was hit very him. bizarre. I, I thought it, I so chuckled, strange. but I was like, are you like not right in the head, my dude? <laughs> Cause like he hangs up the phone. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm on the phone with our boss. Yeah, they have just like real two uh, like the 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 misfit brothers is the energy I get from these guys. Yeah, like like the Fratellis. Yeah, exactly. This is where De Niro, uh, so De Niro calls the Bondsman guy, and he's like, "I will shoot him, and I will dump him in a fucking swamp." And like that's <laughs> I like that level of like I think that's a good one. Yeah, and and the whole like. Hey, FBI, he's like, there are two guys in a van close to you who probably smell like B.O. and coffee who've been in in that van for two days. They tapped your phone, Joey Pants. They tapped your phone. And he's like banging the receiver on the thing. It's really good. He tells him to call him from the Chinese. He'll call the Chinese food place across the street in two minutes or something. Yeah. So they, you know, he runs over and makes that call. They have the quick download of like, hey, I need money. Uh, and then we get the tragic cop backstory for De Niro. Yes. And he's going to like, Oh, send money to this Western union office. We'll go pick it up. Um, yeah. And this is where we find out. We talked about this previously, but the whole thing with the, you know, people are taking bribes and he wouldn't do it for a heroin dealer. Again, a very, very dangerous, illegal drug. 
Yes. I also love, there's a moment when he's on the phone with Joey Pants, and he's like, I'm going to shoot him in the fucking head and take him and dump him in a swamp. And then he looks to, to, to Groden, closes his eyes, and gives this little head shake of like, he doesn't I'm not say this. Do it. But it's like, I would never do that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, in all the years of my life, I'd never do something like that. It's just like, no, 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 head shake thing. It's, it cracked me up. I, I think De Niro is a talented comedy actor who, you know, obviously in his later career did mostly that stuff. <laughs> the war with grandpa and whatnot. Like after Meet the Meet the Parents, it was all down. Bad it was grandpa, all, it was like the, war with grandpa, yeah, yeah. dirty old grandpa. I think I think bad grandpa is Johnny Knoxville. Oh, is it? I thought it was him. What's the what's the There's one, with- one with Zach Efron that ma- dirty grandpa? That's dirty grandpa. Called? Yeah, and then isn't there one with De Niro and um and uh, the war with Grandpa is where he like has a a showdown with a little kid. Yes, but then there's one where it's like him and Morgan Freeman, like hopeful Grandpa or something. Are Are you thinking of the bucket list? Because I think Maybe. that's Nicholson and and uh, Morgan Freeman. I swear there was also a... isn't there? Oh, you know what? There's is it like Old Vegas? It's called or something. There's one with yeah, old I think dogs. You're right. It's not. No, no, no! It's the it's them. It's it's De Niro and Morgan Freeman and two other old guys. Michael Caine might be in there. And he feels like they're in Vegas for this movie we're pitching or remembering. <laughs> they're, all, they're all in Vegas. I want to say there's yeah, a lot I, of hats. Yeah, there's I mean, like a lot of oh, Rat Pack. Hats. No, no shit. There's a lot of Rat Pack hats <laughs> for a bunch of octogenarians in Vegas. No shit, my dude. I'm just saying. I'm trying to remember this movie. I'm just trying to piece it together. It's like it's like Nadja going backstage at the fake brat pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, we're at this little diner in the middle of nowhere. They got no money because they have to wait and get the Western Union at like 9 a.m. or something. They have like 50 so he, cents like, or something. Yeah, he dumps the change out. He orders a coffee, uh, and Groden has this great exchange with the waitress. It's like, how much is coffee? 53 cents. How much is tea? 53 cents. How much is the trezo and eggs? And she says, like, I don't know, $3.25 or whatever it is. And he's, like, looking at De Niro, and De Niro just, like, just kind of gestures at the money. Like, you see exactly how much money there is. Like, what do you want me to do? Uh, so yeah, Groden finally settling on like, oh, I'll have the tea is I just, he, he has a great energy. I just, I, I really enjoy him. Yeah. Also, chorizo and egg sounds dope as shit. It does. I was a little surprised that this little, oh, it is Texas. So it makes sense that there would be some Mexican food there. I was like, Chicago, a Chicago diner having chorizo and eggs seems strange. A Texas yeah. diner, less so. Uh, also, did you catch how much sugar De Niro puts in this coffee? Quite a bit. And cream. <laughs> it is like. Slightly less sugar than the one in the uh, Dirty Harry movie that tips him off that something is wrong. It's like yes. one granule it's less. sludge. But this is where we, uh, again, so- talk about, like, he's like, you're a criminal. You should have just let, you know, Serrano go or, like, not not done anything or, like, went along with him. And then he's I, like, why are you he- on the mobster's side? I read this as more as like, you got yourself into this mess. I didn't do that. So stop blaming me for this being your problem. But no, he keeps talking like, why? Did, I don't know why you didn't just like, let it all like, not mess with him, like let it go. And then Gr- Groden is rightfully like, well, why are you on the side of a mob boss? And he's like, I'm yeah, not. I don't... It's like, it feels very much like you are. So I don't read it like that at all. I read this as like, 
you did an incredibly stupid and dangerous thing and now you're eating the shit pie that you baked. You know what I mean? It's like you baked the shit pie and you thought you were going to trick the mean old white lady into eating it. But nope, tricks on you. You are eating the shit pie and everyone has to watch you eat the shit pie. Like you baked it, bud. You got to eat it. That's your it problem. Just, it not feels mine. very strange that he is so aggressively like, you're a criminal, Groden. You're the criminal. Blah, blah. And it's like. Never once acknowledging that, like, no, Serrano is the much larger criminal here. But but De Niro can't do anything about that. He's a bounty hunter. Like, I he know has that, but you still can acknowledge someone is a bigger criminal. I, I think part of the journey of this movie is that De Niro sees Charles Grodin as a person eventually. And that is why, like, he changes. He doesn't see him as a person yet. It's like that is the journey the character is on, I think. Maybe. But yeah, he just keeps me like, I'm not on the mobster side. And it's like, it sounds an awful lot like you are on the mobster side of things. Yeah, I think he's just like, you know, he doesn't have the ability to see him as a people yet. He's, he's yes. getting there. Oh, De Niro does look like dad. Oh my God, so many times. My wife kept being like, I don't know if this is an insult. And I was like, De Niro looks like my dad. And she's like, yeah. But you know what? I was like, there's very like five wild. expressions that are like identical. I think... De Niro looks like our father. I think I look like our father. I do not think I look like De Niro. No, you don't. There are several expressions that De Niro makes that dad also makes. Like, exactly that. Yeah. Well, did you tell your wife about the Halloween party our parents went to? Where everyone thought he was De Niro genuinely? <laughs> no, really? I don't, I don't think I remember that story. Yeah, it was my friend uh, Jared from elementary school. His parents had like the a very, barn. The, the 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 ones with the crazy big house. Yes, okay. um, so they would throw a, like an adults Halloween party every year, and one year mom went as the Mona Lisa and like bought a gold oh, right. frame to hold, and then yeah, dad yeah. was Da Vinci and like had a little paint palette and everything. But I guess like in his wig, or, like whatever, he just looked like De Niro. <laughs> so all night people were like, "What?" I like, first like, "Oh, I thought you were. I, you look like De Niro. Like, what? What De Niro character are you supposed to be?" And then it was like, "No, it's not that." There's a scene in Goodfellas where they get they're like older, and De Niro has glasses. He's like at a diner with glasses, and the first time Dad and the old age his, lines from high school theater makeup. It's a little better than that, but yeah. But like the first time Dad wore glasses, he like adjusted them almost identically to the way that De Niro adjusted <laughs> them in that scene, and I had like a you know kind of moment. You had your Vecna clock moment <laughs> from Stranger <laughs> Things, as I call it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, John Ashton, he knocks out the mobsters, and then the mobsters uh, get caught to... up to Grodin and De Niro, and we're going to shoot them. And then yes, Ashton uh, kind of saves the day inadvertently. And De Niro, for like the ninth time, is like, "Hey, Marvin, look over there!" To which Marvin turns around completely, like, "Huh?" And in the ensuing fracas, uh, De Niro handcuffs Grodin to himself, like, "Well, you'll take him in, you take me too." Um, th this leads to a helicopter uh, chase sequence. It's wild. And then a helicopter explosion. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Well, because helicopter blades are like, they're basically Japanese feudal paper doors. Sure. Yeah. Like they, they are not designed to have structural integrity and strength because they don't need it. So right. as soon as they hit something, the blades just shatter. Right. Yeah, so there's like a fun bit of car chase stuff where the car's trying to drive away from the helicopter. They're going back and forth. In particular, there was one that was like really true to life. Uh, me recently, when we were on our uh, vacation this summer, we were driving through Utah on these like deserted back 
they're deserted highways of, of the American Mountain West. And this car comes along with like all the sirens and lights and it says like oversized load. It's like a regular sedan, but it says like oversized mm-hmm. load. And I was like, huh, there must be a big truck coming. And then truly the largest, it was the entire shoulder the entire lane, and then more than half of my lane. Like, I had to go to the far edge of the shoulder, and I felt the wheels coming off the paved road to not hit this giant, like, pipe. No, it was a big pipe. Oh, shit. Like Like the kind, like a Pennywise pipe? No, like a, like a, like, I mean, imagine a pipe the width of an entire driving lane and a half. Like Pennywise. Pennywise hangs out in those. Okay, I thought his pipe was like 10 feet across. This is like 30. I mean, in the very end, it's definitely that big. Yeah, it is. It's like a big, it was a big thing like that. It was terrifying. Like I had to like, I felt the tires going like <laughs> coming off into the dirt and I was doing like 35 miles an hour. It was very scary. Uh, so as this is happening, Groden jumps in the river. De Niro does a classic video pushed. game move. <laughs> it, seemed, it looks like a push from my angle. <laughs> Uh, there's the classic video game thing of like missed with the bazooka emptied my rifle. Well, time to go pistol versus helicopter, <laughs> which they also did in that, uh, fucking Buckwild Mel Gibson movie, lethal weapon. Oh yes. They did shoot a helicopter with a pistol. Yeah. Uh, this is where I wrote. There's an hour left in this movie. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow. It feels like we uh, should be in 30 minute town, but okay, cool. He, he, he knocks Marvin out again. Marvin would have serious brain trauma. Marvin is uh, in a Mar- the Venn diagram of Marvin and a Gotham City henchman is just yeah, a circle exactly. in terms of brain damage and visits exactly to the right. concussion clinic. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the river. Uh, Groden manages to get out. De Niro gets stuck. He needs his help. And he Groden grabs a stick and it reminds me of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia meme. Where, like, it's one of the McPoyles reaching for another one, like, take my hand. Uh, and then DeVito comes up with a two by four and just pushes on the McPoyle down. And it's like, yeah. I don't fucking think so. Or I think the fuck not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember they ca- during the election, it was like, it was like something like re- Republicans reaching for Trump. Like, take my hand. And is it Pennsylvania? I think the fuck not. <laughs> I think that's the Die Hard episode. I think it is. That would make yeah. sense because the, the with the you know dangling from a building, even though it ends up the joke being that it's not very high. Right, right, right. They barely fall. Uh, so Groden is like, I'm not gonna let help you if you're not gonna let me go. Like I'll just let you die and then my problem is solved. And Tadir is like, No, no, I'll let you go. And immediately reneges on this. Yeah. And then we see poor beleaguered Mosley, the real Mosley, trying to enjoy yes. his coffee in a diner, just like. <sighs> <sighs> and I love the two goobers he's got next to him. The one of them, one of whom is a guy who's in like a lot of TV plays like a, like, I think he was the lead on some cop show for like an eternity. i forgot to write his name down. He's <laughs> like almost handsome enough to be a rom-com lead, but not quite. He's, he's like, almost, handsome. he's like almost a Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. That's the one. what I say? <laughs> Dylan McDermott's very attractive. Dermot Mulroney is kind of attractive. <laughs> Who's Dylan McDermott then? I got I no, I Dermot Mulroney's who I meant. That's what You I definitely mean. meant Dermot Mulroney, but Dylan McDermott okay. is significantly hotter. He he uh in American Horror Story jerked off and cried in a window and we all oh. collectively swooned. I did mean Dermot Mulroney, but honestly, I don't think this if this guy is between a Dermot a Dermot between a Dylan and a, a Dermot. 
He's I'm Big Dylan. Dermot and Mulroney. No, I'm saying the actor on this movie I'm talking about is oh, he's in between. Two. Yes, he's a little more attractive than a Dermot Mulroney. That's not that hard. <laughs> Why are you so coming for Dermot Mulroney? Just, he's like perfectly <laughs> adequately handsome. Jesus. He is, but he's not like a heartthrob. No, he's like a best friend character. Isn't he the guy in my best friend's wedding? I think he literally is my best friend in my best friend's wedding. Oh, AKA Julia Roberts is a monster. Uh, but they're like, they're, they're just both like these kind of wormy little losers who are like, eh, boss, boss, uh, 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 bad, bad news, boss. And he's just like, <sighs> I just want to eat my rubbery diner eggs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just want to drink this burnt coffee. Uh, Dennis Farina, RIP, is the mob boss. We should have said that earlier. Yeah. I had a moment where I was like, is Dennis Farina Italian? I'm like 99% sure Dennis Farina is Italian. And then I looked up his real name and it's like, Shane McCarley? No, it's like Gustavo Manissimo Bellissimo Serrano Ham Farina. He's very Italian. Yes. He's Gabagool Italian. Yes, exactly. He's like extremely Italian. I like I said, I was like, I'm ninety-nine percent sure Dennis Farina is Italian, but I'm curious. And then it was like, oh no, he certainly is. This was another scene I thought they could cut of like them walking down a road talking about food and then getting in the back of a truck like you could it have just cut like to them walking the up to the yeah yeah it should have just been them walking up to this like gas station looking thing and being like hey where's the nearest town yeah they do this whole thing about lioness potatoes which is fun like but it feels like an ad lib like a like a groden riffing and they just left it in the movie yeah um but they they but get when you're this... over two hours look for some fat yeah. they get to this service station and this is where uh, the guy's wearing a burberry shirt who is the the like Native American? I think they call they say because it's a reservation. Oh, okay. I was just like that. It seems very strange for this huh, character. I did not catch that. Um, but this is where we see Chekhov's crop duster. Like we see it in the background. We see Groden's wheel. I training, thought they were they were going to take that and fly end up flying that, and we were going to get like no sleep till Brooklyn montage. <laughs> uh, no, instead if it's, we take it's this Groden. plane to there. It'll take us two hours. From there, we can take thirty minutes to drive. <laughs> To the depot. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's very this very much like the, they did a road movie single episode of television, which is pretty impressive. It was so uh, good. But so uh, he he gets in this plane, and De Niro is like running it down and getting on the plane. I think this is a good bit of business. And then when he finally gets Groden, like he punches him, they get the plane on the ground, they, he gets him out of the plane. Groden says, "I forgot I was a pilot." <laughs> No, he goes, I didn't think it was appropriate to tell you. And I, and I was like, well, what the fuck? Hang on. I liked you for a while there, buddy. Yeah. And then later he's like bitching that like, he's like, well, you lied to me first. You said you weren't going to turn me in. And I was like, hombre, you lied about a day ago when you yes. said you couldn't fly. Right. And this, this whole like pedantic bullshit of like, well, yes. you didn't know I lied to you. So technically you lied. And I was like, no, 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 no. The yeah. whole point of a lie is that people don't know it's a lie. That's right. Otherwise, it's just a, a statement. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. You lied first. Own it. Exactly. But here we get this. This is where they like you see the catalyst. The change. The changes have occurred. We're 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 coming out of our cocoon here as a movie. Groden is like, let me go in there and talk to these guys. You know, give me the badge. I got an idea. And he does this whole cooked up scam about like, oh, these phony. It's a good grift. Bills. 
Oh, it's a great grift. They uh, they they have De Niro inspect the twenties in the cash register. Oh, I also forgot twenties didn't used to be maximalist before like seven yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, the other fun thing is, uh, you know, we already talked about this, but at the end of the movie, he, we see thousand dollar bills, which is like, I, <laughs> my wife was like, "Wait, is that real?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, no, that you did used to have thousand dollar bills." Do they? Like, do they don't just don't make it anymore? I don't believe so. I'm th- I'm sure they are still in circulation. I I remember one time getting a five hundred dollar bill as a Christmas present from our grandparents and being like, "Holy shit!" And then, uh, funny enough, like had I held on to it, it it probably would have beat inflation because they don't they don't make them anymore. Oh, I bet like a thousand dollar bill is what some yuppie used as a cocaine bill. <laughs> probably it tastes better than the thousand. But they're also. Those are also worth more than their face value. That's so funny to me. They're just rare. They're not, you know, bill collectors are out there. Twenties didn't uh, used to have the the shimmer strip and the colors and the right, giant Andrew right. Jackson. It is easier now if you sell something on like Facebook Marketplace and someone tries to pay you with a fifty to be able to hold it up to the light and be like, yeah, okay, that's a real bill. You yeah, you fun. did not figure out how to get that sh- strip in there. Uh, I love the extra at the bar here. De Niro's looking at the bills and like doing this thing with a pencil to look like he's checking them. And Groden's like really up in this guy's space. And he's just like a classic old grizzled, you know, cowboy type. And he, he gets like two lines in, but I just love the look of this guy. It's like, of course you were the one who got the lines. Look at yeah. you. Um, so this is what I was talking about earlier. They grift the twenties. They go to the, the, the mini Mart or whatever, or the convenience store. And then they're like, we're going to hop a train. But another thing here that's important to note, they talked about, as they were driving, De Niro was saying his ulcer was bothering him, and Groden's like, oh, you gotta drink some milk, it'll help. You notice what De Niro's drinking when he comes out of the convenience store? His milk. Yeah, see? They're, it is milk. They're, they're thawing each other out. They're <laughs> making a connection. I suppose. They're making a connection. Um, the bar owner sees them hop the train, and he calls it in, and then we have the scene you alluded to earlier, which we can talk about a little more. I like the scene a lot. Groden gets on the train and locks De Niro out. And so De Niro grabs the ladder, climbs over and swings in the other side. And he goes full like, oh, you think you got rid of me, motherfucker? <laughs> like really gets, you know, he's like, because I see that scene I read is like right after the milk thing. You got De Niro who was like, you know, this guy might be all right. And then he does this thing to him. And it's like, motherfucker, the only time I let people in, they step on my heart. And you just did that to me. That's all that ever happens to me is they just step on my heart again and again. And so he shackles him back to the train. Yeah. Uh, that's, I like the shading. Like I said, I like, I think his character is like really fully realized in a way that they probably aren't often in a movie like this, which they don't need to be, but I just enjoy it. Um, we get the wife watch story. Yeah, we're. This is the segment of the movie I like to call "Riding the Rails with Bobby and Chuck." <laughs> like they might as well have a can of beans. Uh huh. Uh huh. And a little fire going, and and I like Groden having a conversation with De Niro and doing both characters. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, Jack, you ever do this? You ever do that? And and then he finally gets him to fall, but being like. Jack, those chickens back at the place we stole the truck were pretty sexy. You ever have sex with a chicken? And De Niro, like, actually laughs at this, and then that kind of breaks the ice again. Mm-hmm. This is where we learned Jimmy the Ham was the Chicago heroin dealer. Yep, yep. And then there's this weird scene. The bounty hunter keeps getting in. Like, we don't need four scenes of the bo- other bounty hunter keep getting interviewed by Alonzo Mosley. Like, yeah. I don't, like, we can do one of those. I, I, it's, I, I, I enjoy all of them, but I don't disagree with you. But then uh, as also, he's like, 
there was a moment where De Niro, Bobby and Chuck are having their little scene and one of them says, you know, in under different circumstances, and my wife goes, we could have been lovers. Because <laughs> it's very much like that, like in, a, in another movie, this would be like the romantic, like this ends with a kiss. Yeah, this is so like this the is, big pour your heart uh, out moment. This is Kathleen Turner and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband. What's his name? Yeah, uh, Douglas. 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 Um, but so like the other bounty hunter is like collecting his shit and he's like, I, I, did he leave my, he, t- he took my cigarettes, the fed. And the guy's like, well, if you want to take it up with him, you can go to Flagstaff. And I, he was like, Flagstaff, eh? And I was like, yeah, I was like, am I supposed to know what that means? And like, is this going to lead somewhere? It doesn't lead anywhere, but it fully. Oh, the train, the train earlier, they said they thought they were in Arizona, but th- they're when they ultimately meet the the bounty hunter again. It's not because he's in Flagstaff. He's in that's he's where, in that's where the no, that is that's where the cop barricade is. I thought it was in oh 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 okay sorry I I jumped ahead I forgot that I yeah. forgot he got him again. Yeah, so they the De, De Niro and Groden. He's like, I think we're in Arizona, and then we learn the guys. The guys like, you should look in Flagstaff. So then we know that like they know where they're going. And then we have the scene right after that is De Niro's like looking out and he's like, we're getting off the train. And I don't know if you caught this, but Groden is like eating a banana and holding it as he jumps off the train. No, I missed that. So he's got like half a nanner in the peel and then they, they roll off the train and there's like, uh, a truly astounding number of cops and, you know, FBI people who stop the train and are looking for it. And we cut to Groden and De Niro. And this is one of my fa- favorite little bits in the movie. So they're like walking and Groden is like painstakingly describing the function of train stations <laughs> where he's like, there's these little platforms and they put them in towns and the train pulls up to them and stops. And then people can get off the train. This is typically how people engage with the train as opposed to jumping off them. And then, you know, De Niro points out the insane number of cops ahead of them. And it's like, Oh, you saved our ass. Got it. Got it. Yeah. The other bounty like hunter this. steals Groden. And well, I, there's a little bit of a car chase too. Oh yeah. With off-roading. Yeah, I kind of look. Well, De Niro and, and Groden are in a stolen Jeep, so it makes sense. And then the cop cars, obviously not equipped for this, get the absolute shit kicked out of them. It's very Blues Brothersy. Yeah, uh, and that this is where uh, the other bounty hunter, John Ashton, you said. Yeah, Marvin uh, is the character. Steals Charles Groden from uh, De Niro. Yeah, he hits De Niro with the car door again, but this time at like forty miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, it w- he's got a lot of internal or- organ damage. Yeah, with some broken ribbies. Uh, so he's recuperating at a diner, and while he's ordering a coffee and talking to this this diner owner, his sunglasses come sliding down the bar, and it's Yafet Kodo back. Um, so they they debrief at the FBI headquarters. De Niro calls Joey Pants, and then he comes to the realization that there's been. That Marvin uh, is now working with Jimmy the Ham. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I, I, I can, I can work an angle here." But when he picks up the phone and starts talking to Joey Pants, that he's just like really painstakingly describing all the ways he's gonna, you know, pull his lungs out of his yeah. ear holes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just like uh, going after him, and Joey Pants just holds the phone away from his ear and just starts banging the the mouthpiece on the table. He's like, "I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you." <laughs> they have a fun. Uh, screen energy. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. So De Niro kind of realizes he can work the angle and he realizes he can trade fake. Oh, because Charles Grodin alluded earlier that he was going to make 
floppy disks mm-hmm. <laughs> full of information. Mm-hmm. Um, Several but, hundred floppy disks. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how, what is a floppy disk? Like one Excel spreadsheet? Uh, uh, certainly with the amount of data we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, like it's like this floppy disk is just for today. This is today's yeah. spreadsheet or whatever. This is it's not even today. It's this afternoon. <laughs> um. So De Niro like plays at the angle is like, hey, I have the floppy disks full of all the you know whatever dirt money. I money have laundry. all. I have I have all of the evidence. I have all the financial records of your. I got the MacGuffin. Basically, I have the yeah. MacGuffin disks. Yes. Um. And so they like arranged to be for a trade-off with like i'll give you the tapes you give me Grodin, uh in an airport and um the feds kind of like help coordinate and then we get there and jimmy the ham and he was like hey do you have the tapes and i was like come on you sound so old buddy they're discs (laughs) not tapes they're discs also meanwhile the goombas were trying to negotiate with marvin to get uh the duke marvin was trying to swindle them and marvin did the classic like here's him holding a newspaper and a polaroid it's today's paper but he left the name of the motel visible so the goombas just like go take the duke without marvin's help yeah so we have quite a goomba collection here which i really like this is like the assembled this is the the avengers Avengers. of goombas It's just like short ones, tall ones, skinny <laughs> ones, fat ones. We got them all. Just Greasy off screen hair, is a lady hair. in a in a shin length floral print dress and an apron, wait, shaking her hands in the air like you never come home. Come home, we have dinner. <laughs> She's got some red yes. splotches on her apron. Is it gravy? Is it blood? Is it, who knows? Who knows? Also, every we did not mention this, but throughout this movie, everyone's smoking cigarettes. Like, a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> this movie is sponsored by Joe Cool. Yeah, there is so many cigarettes. But everyone in the airport is lighting up. And then Marvin is there, and he's, like, trying to buy a plane ticket. And smoking or non-smoking? Like, come on. Why are we even pretending? It's like, it's a tube. We're all Can here Can you together. imagine? Well, I mean, restaurants had that. We pretended. But at re- least... Yeah, it was dumb in restaurants. I feel like it's dumber in an airplane. I guess it's dumber, but... It's like, I'm sure they put the smokers toward the back or something, because, like, you know, presumably the air flowed that direction, and it was just like, I mean, the whole plane was smoky. What are we doing here? There's no way. Yeah, it's it's wild. And then it I wonder at what point we were like, maybe we shouldn't let people light fires in an airplane in the sky. <laughs> sure, sure, Yeah later than probably should have also i saw a thing that like after the major airlines banned smoking some like group of people tried to do like a private airline for smokers uh, yeah 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 yeah. that was like you can smoke on all these flights and we're gonna operate as you know we're gonna do you know certain hubs and stuff that seems like the most expensive way to feed an addiction Like, yeah, yeah. if you can't not smoke for the five hours you're in the on the plane get a patch yeah, like yeah. I mean, that's what most people do these days. Um, all of the feds are also standing in a group together, like yes. what? But and it's not like oh, they're in like the hats and the sunglasses. So they're like yeah. all wearing giant headphones. Yes, with like yes. the what's the disc called? The the like par- a parabolic a parabolic disc. Like they're listening. Oh, oh, in. oh, 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 the like the the ear gun that you can hear far away. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's yeah. just like so stupid phone. that they're all hanging out, like standing together. I'm like, guys, a second anyone looks up to this balcony, your cover is blown. Right. Also, like, shouldn't one of you be behind the counter pretending to be a bag lifter? Shouldn't person? one of you have a wig on? Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. And then De Niro's got a wire on, but it breaks. And this this part is also we we jumped ahead, and it's not that important to go back for laboring the point. But De Niro is like grinning like an idiot as they're putting this wire on him, and Gaffacota's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I feel like a cop again." And we see it's like, "Oh, he's he's starting to feel like he's got his life back a little bit in a way that he hadn't before." So uh, they make the exchange, and he's trying. Jimmy to the Ham is kind of egging him on. Yeah. He well, he's he's trying to break him down because he's like, Oh, your, your wife's stooping that other guy now. And you're this like sad schlub. What does your life become? Huh? Uh, so they make the trade and then, uh, he's trying to yell into his lapel and it's not working. It's not working. And then Marvin's there. And finally he like stops, cups his hands around his mouth. And is like, Serrano's got the discs. Serrano's got the discs. And then suddenly it's just swarm, swarm from the FBI. And I was like, Marvin, get out of here. You idiot. Yeah. You yeah, big you dumb idiot. Fool. You stupid fool. Uh, and then De Niro gets to have the last word because he walks over to Farina while he's getting handcuffed. And he's like, hey, I got something to tell you. You're under arrest. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Uh, so they get on a quick plane to L.A. From There's Vegas. also a weird lingering shot of, a lot of the real Alonzo holding the discs. Like, again, with the, like... No one went in with a little a wrench to kind of tighten this up. Like they, the one, the unnamed officer takes the discs off of, of Jimmy the ham and hands them to Alonzo. And he like slowly lifts them up off a table and like, I love them. this moment. You want this out of the movie? Yes. I do not like, come on. This is like such a, this is like, you get so much from Yafakoto in this moment where he's like, he's like. Holy shit, I did it. I got Serrano. After all the years I've been chasing him and I thought it was going to be this, and now I got him dead to rights. He can't get away from this now. This, like, I got him, I, you know, he, he committed the crime while touching me, practically. I did it! I did it! I, I, I think it's great. Uh, they land in L.A., and uh, Groden and De Niro are, like, real icy toward each other, and he calls Joey Pants with, like, 25 minutes left. The whole thing was, hey, you gotta get him back here by midnight Yeah, it was a Friday. ticking clock. Yeah. Uh, he tells De Niro, hence the title of the movie, uh, and he tells, you know, De Niro tells Joey Pants, like, I got him, and now I'm gonna let him go, you little piece of shit, <laughs> that he's just, like, you know, furious with Joey Pants. So he lets Groden free and gives him the watch. And Groden says, hey, I got a gift for you. And he says, it's not a bribe. You already let me go. This is a gift. And it's $300,000 in a money clip. Yeah. And then De Niro uh, walks outside and they have their little moment. It's goodbye. It's kind of sweet. And then, you know, Groden's in the wind. And uh, De Niro walks outside and says, what time is it? It's 25 to 12. And he's like, I would have made it. I would have made it. Like, he's so pleased that he did the thing he said he was going to yeah. do. He's got that great moment. And then he tries to get a cabbie who has a person in the back seat. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's weird. He asks if the cabbie can break a thousand and the cabbie says, fuck you and drives away. And it's, I love that. He's like, well, I guess I'm walking. And he like puts the collar of his coat up and he's like holding this insane amount of money in his hands and walking, walking home with 300 grand. He's still, he's still, even with all the money, he's Dangerous. still low status, little, still low status character. Uh, I love this movie. I was delighted to watch it. I had not seen it in some time, and I had been wanting to watch it for some time, and I kept saying, like, oh, we'll do it on the podcast, and then I realized it was the anniversary, so I uh, obviously 
uh, put this in here. I, I love this movie. I think it's great. I think it's like one of the best buddy cop movies of all time. But buddy cop used in whatever, you know, it's not they're not cops, but whatever. Uh, yeah, obviously you don't recommend this, but I can't give Didn't this care a for it. enough recommend. Yeah, I think this is one. I think it's a wonderful performance from De Niro and a wonderful performance from Groden. I love all the the side characters. They're all fun. They're all well drawn. Great, you know, little performances. Yeah, I highly recommend. This is a, a classic movie. Uh, four and a half on Letterboxd for me for this boy. <laughs> this is a, a nearly a five star picture for for me. But I'm sorry you didn't like it. You yeah, certainly can yeah. talk about it some more here. Can't win them all. Final thoughts, state your case, what what have you? I, it's just it's too long and needed. It needed to be, you know, ten percent funnier or ten percent more like cop movie. It was somewhere mm. in the middle that just didn't resonate with me. Uh, it did spawn a whole shitload of TV movie sequels. I think. I think there's really? four total movies. There's another Midnight Run, and then it's like Midnight Run to somewhere, and then it's like past Midnight, midnight Run Tokyo Drift. It's it's it is it is almost that dumb. Uh, and then it was all played by uh, Christopher McDonald, uh, the shooter McGavin from uh, Happy oh. Gilmore. If that as Robert that De Niro. Is. Yes. Really, that's a weird Big choice. Downgrade. I think he's the De Niro character. It's possible that he's the Grodin I mean, he makes way more case, sense as a Charles Grodin type. In either case, it's a pretty steep downgrade, I feel. I'm verifying uh, that there are four of them. But the titles were funny, and I forgot to write them down. Uh, another Midnight Run, Midnight Run Around, and Midnight Run for Your Life. Midnight Run Back in the Habit, Midnight yes. Run Electric Boogaloo, Midnight yes. Runner. No, Christopher McDonald plays the De Niro character. He's Jack Walsh. That's a strange choice. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, but, you know, you get what you can pay for, right? Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, next week is a, or next, sorry, next episode is a huge one. It's number 250. So we're going to do something a little silly uh, and we're going to redo Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which I, frankly, am dreading. Um, Why? Sarah Jessica Parker. Just like that is, is out. We can tie into that. Is it, I mean, is it like a new season? Yeah, it's running now. It's every Thursday. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll promote that, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I didn't like this movie f- ten years ago. I'm not going. But we to had like fun it riffing on now. it. Yeah, but I I uh, I'm not going to re-listen to the old episode. I'm not either. I, the only joke I remember is military bullets because I had a friend yes. who reminded me of that joke. I I did re-listen to that episode some time ago, and I'll probably put that episode back up as like a companion piece. Probably. Yeah, that's fun uh afterwards this episode will be at least twice as long i'm pretty sure we were doing like 45 minute episodes back then oh Uh, yeah we were definitely short yeah uh covid covid lengthened the show that's for sure uh but yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do girls just want to have fun uh for the second time uh that is on prime and a bunch of other places uh so check that out uh, if you want to watch along with us uh, and we'll see maybe we will both come to love the bad movie that we started this podcast with but who's the heart that would be that? fun is he famous or is he nobody <sighs> i don't remember I, tr- I i truly remember it's it's helen hunt and it's sarah jessica parker yeah and military bullets is all that's I really all i get yeah she wants to dance or something yeah yeah it's like a corny collins thing uh, but that's that'll be uh, in two weeks. So if you want to uh, watch along, you should do that. 
thanks again to our newest Patreon supporter, Val. Uh, if you'd like to hear your name on the podcast and also get a bunch of bonus content, patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. You get a bonus episode every other month. You can download those in your favorite podcast player. And, uh, you know, it's a fun little thing to be part of. And you're helping support the show. So thank you to everybody on there and uh, everybody who will join there. If you haven't done it yet, please review the show. If it's not uh, the Apple uh, podcast app, uh, take a screenshot and send it to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We read those on the air. Hit us up on Facebook. Find us on Twitter at Dissect the 80s. We always love to hear from you all in both those places. So appreciate that very much. And uh, I think that's all the plugs. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I've been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until midnight. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.